0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'm going to read from the NIV version, picking up in, in, in verse 11. Before I just begin to read that, I want to just give some context as to what um, Paul here, Apostle Paul, is charging uh, Timothy, son in the faith, Uh, before he he, he comes in in verse 11 here, uh, we've just seen, if you read your Bibles, that he has been talking about the love of money. He's talking about the the things in, in, in this world that kind of distract us, that how many of you know that money is not evil, but the love of money is? And he talks about these things that would distract us from the faith um, in order that he even gets to a point by saying at the end of those verses, just before verse 11, that people, if they are distracted by these things in life, the lusts and love of money, that people have wandered from the faith. And that they end up piercing themselves, it says, with many griefs. I don't know about you, but we can end up sometimes, if we're not careful in our walk of faith, as Christians uh, end up wandering down some routes we never expected to to walk down, and we can end up quite quickly um, falling into griefs, piercing ourselves with problems when we could have avoided them in the first place. Is, is anyone like that? I know that for me, when when I began uh, in in my in the early years, I I kind of was once giving my life to Jesus, and then I wandered away and took some wrong decisions that caused me to end up in places I didn't want to be. Uh, I got addicted to to things like drink and went and did things that I shouldn't have done and and took drugs and things like this and ended up wandering from the faith and piercing my life with many griefs. And uh, we can do that with many things. And I believe as as believers we've got to be very careful in how we walk the walk of faith. And um, what I want to just pick up in here is in verse 11... Paul gets to this point. He's just been warning him of these things. And then he says this, verse 11. But you, but you, man of God, and in brackets we'll say woman of God. But you, man of God, you, man of God, flee from all this. Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time, God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever, amen. Praise God. What a beautiful scripture. I want to talk to you this afternoon on the subject of fighting the good fight of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith. If you tell uh, people who are not Christians that these kind of verses, they think that that sounds kind of like as though you're you're fighting in in some kind of war. But Paul is trying to charge Timothy and say here that you do realize that when you walk the walk of faith, you've got to fight on your hands. It's a war. Do Do you realize that when you gave your life to Jesus, there is a war for your soul. Uh, Satan is constantly trying to attack us with, with different things and we have thoughts and lusts that we are led away, but many times there's this, all the time, there's a battle between the spirit man and the flesh man. You're gonna find throughout your life that you have always got this tension going on between two. And it's, it shouldn't become as a surprise to you that you have these things going on, that there's a, a, a tension going on. Paul said, I, I end up doing the things I don't want to do, these things I keep on doing. But he ends up coming to a conclusion that the only one who rescues him is Jesus Christ. He's the only answer to the problem. And so we've got to understand before we, we, we realize that there is a tension that the answer is always Jesus Christ. It's not your best preacher, it's Jesus. Amen. And and, and I want to talk about what it means to fight the good fight of faith. The title of the message is Picking Fights. Picking Fights. I believe that we have a choice to make about the fights we choose in our faith. I believe that when he's telling him to fight the good fight of faith, he's instructing him, in fact he's charging his command, he's commanding him To choose to fight the good fight of faith. That means that there are other fights that we can end up fighting that are not good for us. Actually, you can waste your time in your faith fighting things that you were never meant to fight. And do you know what the devil is very good at? He's very good at distracting you to fight things that you were never meant to fight. He's very good at, 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 rather than saying, do you know what, just reminding you you're a sinner and you did this wrong. If he can get you to wish your energy and time, and one of the things we looked at last week was, is that time is the most valuable asset you have. Your time is so valuable that if the devil can get you so busy and, and, and focused and using time up, on the wrong things, and fighting your battles for the wrong things, then you're going to end up wasting time on, and not being able to do the things that God has called you to do, uh, I mean, I meet so many people who are fighting fights with the enemy, that I sometimes wonder, do they actually believe God is helping them, you know, there's so many people that are so focused on fighting the demons, you know, hang on, I just can't talk to you, because I've, I've just got to deal with these demons over in the corner over here, and we've got this focus so much on dealing with demonic powers up here when, when actually we're not meant to be fighting those things. Do you know, the reality is that as someone who's dealt with the demonic powers over the years and dealt with people with demons, the reality is we're not supposed to be hunting demons. Your job is not to fix your focus on demons, on these kind of powers. Your job is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Your focus should be to look to the one, the king of kings, the lord of lords. Because let me tell you, the more you focus on him, demons manifest. You don't have to look for them. You're not called to, to be a demon buster. You're called to look to the son of God. And so many of us are, are trying to deal with all these things. And, and let me tell you, I believe in spiritual warfare and intercession. And we've got to, that plays a part, but we've got to be very careful. That our walk of faith is not fighting things that we were never meant to fight. It's wasting time on things that we're not supposed to fight. I was, uh, just the other day, I was in the local shop near to me. And I went up to the counter. As I'm queuing in the counter, the gentleman behind the counter was telling the, the person who was buying some stuff. He was saying, oh, last night we, we, got, we got burgled here. We got robbed. Someone came up. They asked for cigarettes, alcohol. And then we gave them all the things they needed. And then they said, we're not paying for them. I mean, that's the society we live in today. Uh, No, I've not got my my club card. I ain't paying for anything anyway. And they walked out of the shop with everything. And I'm listening to this story thinking, wow. So I said to the guy behind the till, I said, what did you do when they did that? He said, I just let them go. He said, the camera doesn't work. I thought, this is not a very good shop. So if you want to know where it is, I'll tell you later. In my former days, you know. He said, the camera doesn't work. He said, we just let them go. Because did you phone the police? He said, nah, there's no point. Too long till they get here. I thought, wow, this shop's not a very safe shop, is it to be in? And he said, just let them take the things. And I realized that the Lord spoke to me and said, Do you know, that young man, he chose to not to pick that fight because he knows he can't win. And so many of us, we've got to be so careful what we pick, what we fight and, and, and we've got to be acute to what God is wanting us to focus all of our attention on. Ephesians 6.12, when it talks in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God, in, in verse 12 it says, For our struggle, you all know these verses, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the what? The rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil In the heavenly realms, Paul is challenging us to make sure we pick the right fights. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to walk around and in work tomorrow and say, I'm sorry, I can't speak to you. I've just got to deal with these demons up here above the coffee machine. I'll hang on. In fact, I'm not even going to talk to you when I'm at church because there's so many spiritual things against me. No, we've got to be, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But what we've got to understand is there is a war in the heavenlies over your soul. Do you realize that the moment when you give your life to Jesus Christ, and some of you in this room maybe have not done that, but those of you who have, and I want to just encourage you, you can give your life to Jesus today, but those people in the room who have, when you responded to the gospel message, and I remember the day that I did, when I responded to the gospel message, the Bible says this, that all heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. But do you know what else happens? hell rages hell rages at the fact that you have responded to truth so all of a sudden there is a war against you a war to stop you from believing and to to walk in your old self i mean many times i hear people say "Oh, no, it's good to see to see john back to his old self again i'm like i hope he's not <laughs> we don't want him back to his old self again you don't want to get back to your old self again. You want to walk in the new creation that God's called you to be. Come on. The Bible says I'm a new creation. I'm not just relying on my old self, my old happy self. I want a new creation that's full of the joy of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Hallelujah. And so what we've got to understand is that when, when, when hell sees what heaven's rejoicing, there's a war. There is a war against our souls it's important to understand that Paul is is not just saying to Timothy, "Listen, I encourage you, there's these problems in the world, love of money and all these things that people wander away from the faith, they get it wrong. I encourage you, if you can try, try walking a bit differently." No, he says, there's a command. Paul says, I urge you, I charge you with this command. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. It's important. If it's important for him to tell Timothy, it's important for him to tell us today, I believe. It's 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 actually a command over your life as to say, this is what you've got to do. Now, what I want to say is this, is that it's interesting that Paul says this, but actually... I believe he's pointing to Jesus here for us to look at his life, because it's more important that we look at how Jesus responds in the fight of faith than it is Paul. Because I like Paul, and I like a lot of characters in the Bible, and I like a lot of preachers out there today. But the reality is, is no preacher, no Paul, are the ones you need to be following. You can imitate their faith, but all their faith is in Jesus anyway. So you've got to understand that to fight the good fight of faith, I want to know what does Jesus do? How does Jesus do it? If I want to be like Jesus, how, is it, how did he do it? How did he respond to this? And do you know what I love about what Paul says here? He gives a little insight. In verse 13 he says this. In the sight of God, this is what we read a minute ago, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command. So he's saying, fight the good fight of faith. But then he says this, and we can miss these things very easily. He says, I just want to just pause a moment and insert and give you a case study of an example of Jesus Christ and how he dealt with fighting the good fight of faith. Because I don't want to just tell you that Jesus looked at his life and how he did it. But I actually want to home in and give you an example of a conversation he had with Pilate. To give an example of how you've got to deal with it in your own life. So I, I looked at this and I thought, well, if it's important to Paul, what's the conversation we need to look at? And so I looked in John chapter 18 and I looked at what conversation Jesus has with Pilate. And we know that Pilate... They've just arrested Jesus in John chapter 18. They've arrested Jesus. They've got him from the garden. There's been a fight on him. In fact, Peter's been fighting his own little war, cutting people's ears off. Jesus tried to restore that. Then they end up here before Pilate and he asks him these questions. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus stood there. He's, been tr- he's, he's on trial. He's now tested. He has every, every position right now he wants to. He could say, no, I'm not the king of the Jews and step away. But he stands there and he's now facing the biggest fight. Because he has to fight for flogging and his life. He's about to be flogged or he's going to be killed. And there's all these things in the balance. Now you've got to picture this. Because if you're thinking right now, well what does that mean to me? In your daily life, in your tomorrow problem. You've got problems at work. You've got problems in your family. Problems in relationships. All manner of things. And you're thinking, I've got these things I need to fight. I don't know if I need another mic you got these things I need to fight. And so you're looking at these things. And Jesus, with the prospect of what he's about to face, he he asks him this question, Pilate. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Now, Jesus could just say, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not. In fact, I'm not this person. I'm I'm not going to go ahead with this. And he could have walked away. But instead, he responds, and this is the conversation he has. In verse 36, he says, My kingdom is not of this world. It's not about here. It's not of this world. Then he says this, a very important line. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. By the Jewish leaders. Here we got it. He says this. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. But if it were, let me tell you, there would be a fight on. If it was here, and it was about earth, and it was about the perspective of earth, believe you or me, we'd have a war. You would be seeing bloodshed. Because there would be a different context. However, he says the next thing, but now. My kingdom is from another place. My kingdom is from another place. I want to encourage you today that what we need to see is that the perspective we have to have is the perspective of heaven. We have to have the perspective of heaven. When you face trials, when you face fights, and the enemy comes against you, comes in like a flood, listen to me. You've got to have a perspective of heaven. You've got to say, actually, my fight is not here. It is in the heavenlies. And so I've got to trust God. And what does that mean for you? That might mean you've got to pray more and get on your knees. Some of us are trying to fight stuff we shouldn't be fighting. He says, if there were, if it was not of this world, there'd be a fight. But it's not. So, I'm in that context of seeing this in a completely different way to you, Pilate. I've got a a different set of glasses on. And I believe he wants us, us to have that same view. He wants us to focus on another realm. I believe it's important that I put here that how you fight is a result of who you follow. Who are you following? Who are you following? Are you following your favorite preacher? What he says, listen, we've got to understand that Jesus is the one we follow. He is the one we follow. The the person you follow in life is, if we follow Jesus, we're going to be able to deal with our battles better. It's important we're following Jesus. I want to bring just a few points. And the first one is this, that we need to flee the fights that we'll never win. Flee the fights you'll never win. You're like... How can you say that as a Christian, I'm more than a conqueror, so I can, I can win everything? i got the victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. We sing these all the time. We have a victory. Listen, there, let's, let me tell you something. There are some battles you're going to lose. Why? Because some of us are trying to fight battles in sin. You're trying to do it all on your own. You're trying to battle the problem of pornography. You're trying to battle the problem of lust. You're trying to battle all these problems and Jesus didn't ask you to try and battle it on your own. Some of us are are saying I've got a problem with drink but I'm still going to go out with my friends to the nightclubs. I'm still going to put myself in those positions because if I've got the strength of the Lord I'm going to be okay. No, some of you need to stop going there. What does that mean? Jesus does not want you to be stood there trying to fight something that you 're weak in. sometimes you've got to know when to flee. sometimes you've got to know when to run. I remember years ago as a, as a young lad, I went out to the fairground and with my friends and I was there, and a massive gang were out to to attack me and they said someone sent a message and said this guy's going to going to hit you, and so we were leaving the fairground and I was with two other friends of mine who we were walking up this hill. And I'm not the type of person who likes to fight. So I saw this gang coming up. There were more than twice the number of us. I thought, that's the end of me. And so my, I had a plan. And the plan was this, because I know we were outnumbered. I'm going to run. And by, by the way, there's one thing I realized in the end. I'm a faster runner than he was. Because he didn't catch me. He just got me a couple of weeks later and hit me then that's true. How many of you know that the devil comes back for an opportune time? So if you think that you escaped in this time and you thought, oh, I'm quite good. I'm fast. I, fl- I fleed that situation and I overcome sin. Let me tell you, if you start boasting about that, the only thing you need to boast in is Christ, not boast in your own ability so if you, if you got out of that time before, and some of us, we, we're so bent on looking at what we achieved last time. Listen, the devil's after you for another go. And he will try and come back and try and prove that you can't do that. Because I believe that that's when God is saying, look at my faithful servant, look at him. And that's when the devil says, yeah, but what if you let me, let me have him again. Let me have her again opportune times. And so we, we need to learn how to flee. Joseph, with the promise that he have, has over his life, with the destiny he's got before him, he ends up in all the situations he's in. I mean, he's in a pit. He's in the prison. But you know, one of the worst places he could have been is in that bedroom with Potiphar's wife. That, you wouldn't call that a prison, would you? You wouldn't call that something bad. That's something that you delight in. He's looking at this and thinking, wow, you know, the the, the problem is, is when I was in the prison, that was quite easy. I was focusing on the goodness of God. But right now I'm focusing on this problem because it's actually, it's tempting. This is tempting. And so when I'm here, what do I do? The answer is in the Bible and it's same as what he says, flee. Get out of there. You can't fight this one. I'll tell you why you can't fight. Because flesh is no match for flesh. Flesh versus flesh is going to cause problems. You need faith. You need to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Some of us, what we're doing is we're we're trying to fight these things ourselves. And and I've come to the conclusion that I can't do it on my own because sometimes these things are too strong for me. It's time to just drop drop the weapon and leave. Drop the weapon and get out. Don't try and fight it on your own. Matthew 5, 29, Jesus says this. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Did Jesus really say that? It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. This is what this is hard-hitting stuff. Jesus is saying this. He's saying he's saying essentially this. He's saying, It's better for you to lose a weak function in your life than to lose the whole fight. Lose, lose a weak function than the whole fight, because you're gonna lose. It's gonna get you. It's gonna take you down. And some of us we're so sometimes we can be so Strong in the Lord that we're so strong and focused that we're like, no, I've got this. Let me tell you, you ain't got it. You need need to give it to God. There's some battles that do belong to the Lord. we got to learn to flee the fights that we will never win. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul says this again. He says, flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness. Faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. What is he saying there? He's saying, listen, look, some of you right now, you've got relationship issues going on. You've got things going on in, maybe in your marriages, in your families, in your friends, and there's conflict and quarrels. And what, what Paul's saying here is, don't even participate in quarrels. Flee those fights. Flee those things that you're about to say to someone. Because, listen to me, what you, what you participate in, you'll produce things from it. When you participate in these kind of things, that's where your life is going to start producing stuff. And you don't want to produce things like that. And I believe that when we get into quarrels and arguments, it causes anger. It causes hate. And then we end up being someone we never wanted to be. The Bible says this. It talks about that you'll know them by their love. You'll know them by their love. I want to ask you a question. Christianity is not about healing people and seeing the dead raised. It's about love. Do you know that? The whole Bible talks about the love of God. Jesus Christ is a demonstration of it's God demonstrating his love for you that's the whole message of the Bible is love so why are we entering into the wrong fights with people not showing love listen if you focus on God your perspective about people is going to change that's why Paul could one time kill Christians, but then the next time tried to save people. Why? Because his perspective is now, I'm compelled with love. I'm I'm compelled with love. This is the same person who killed people. How's that? Because his his change comes from looking to Jesus. And I want to just encourage you to flee from some of these things. Some of you are thinking, ah, these are are small things. I've had a little quarrel with my wife or my husband. I've had a quarrel in that. That, that workplace. Listen, this is where the devil comes in and he wants to get you fighting even in the simplest of things to distract you from the real fights. Flee the fights you weren't meant to be in. The next thing is that we need to celebrate the fight that God has already won. Celebrate the fight that God has already won. There are so many Christians They don't seem to sing and talk like that. There is a victory. (laughs) I mean, we sing that song. I'm going to see a victory. And I like that song. And I like the fact that I'm going to see breakthrough in some areas in my life. And I'm praying for these things. But do you know what? I think it would be good for us sometimes to just sing, God, I've seen a victory. I have seen a victory. Because do you know what? In our lives... One of the most important victories that you're ever going to get. And it's not breakthrough in that job that you want. It's not a promotion. It's not that house you're wanting to buy that you're saying, now God, just open this door for me. I need a victory. I need a victory. I think Jesus is sometimes looking us saying, do you recognize the victory that was done at Calvary 2,000 years ago? For you to even have the ability to ask me for those things? When was the last time you thanked me for that victory? When was the last time you thanked me for my blood shed for you? When was the last time that when I faced a fight before Pilate and I could have stepped down? I wasn't looking for a promotion for myself. I lowered myself. I took the beating. I took the flogging. I took the crown of thorns. All of that was for you just to have a relationship with the Father again. Your only desire at the moment is what job am I going to get? What house will I get next? Listen, none of this is bad. But we got to put it into context. we got to celebrate the greatest victory over our lives. And it's the fact that Jesus died for our sins. That we today can stand washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We can stand before him on that day, on judgment day, and look at him. And know that I don't stand there in my own rights. But I stand because he's forgiven me. Hallelujah. What good news, church. Come on. Some of us, we need, to, we need to come in here a little bit happier sometimes. Full of the joy of the Lord. What is that? The joy of the Lord when you understand the concept of what this whole thing is about. Come on. We need to stir ourselves up in the faith. Come on. Stir up that tea bag, Steve. Stir ourselves up in the faith. We need to understand again. The victory. Celebrate the victory that God's already won. The problem is that what we're doing is we're trying to create a new victory. We're trying to say, God, I need to get a victory over this sin. Sin Is sin really dealt with in my life? The things I did back in 2019, the things I did in the previous years, in fact, those things that I don't know if I'm going to be forgiven over, you've got to say, God, I realize I'm covered. So there's a victory in my life. But some of us, what we're doing is we're going back to deeds, works. Galatians talks about this. Paul says, who's bewitched you? And and we can end up, as as they were, they were going back to works rather than the Spirit, as they start with the Spirit. And what we can end up doing is going in the wrong direction, trying again to win the victory. We're almost trying to do, replicate the cross again in our own lives. You're trying to replicate What was already achieved. And you can't do it because I've got some news for you. The Bible says that you're not perfect. It needed a perfect sacrifice. The Bible says that all of us fall short of the glory of God. Our righteousness is like filthy rags before Him. In other words, you can't do it. The Ten Commandments I've come to realize are just a mirror to tell me I'm a failure. That's what it is. The Ten Commandments are a mirror to point to you that you're a failure and you need to fulfill the law. And the only way it can be fulfilled is through Jesus Christ. So that's it. So people said to me all the time on the, on the streets when I'm talking to them, Yeah, but the Ten Commandments, you know, you can never fulfill them. I said, I know. Even when I'm a Christian, I can't do it. It's impossible. But it points me to Jesus. It points me to the realization of what I do need. That's the gospel church. And so we've got to understand that we need to celebrate what has already been achieved. He says this, fight the good fight of faith, verse 12. And Paul says this to Timothy, take hold, I love that, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of it. In other words, fighting the good fight of faith is not, Fight think, you know, I've got to try and I've got to try and feel like I've got an eternal life. I've got to feel like I'm forgiven. No. Fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. In other words, it's there for you to take. What a free gift, church. What a free gift. Some of us are trying to fight for eternal life. Fight for the gift. No, no, no. Take hold of it by fighting the fight of faith. Believing that God has done it. You know, my son, they, they love to play on the on the games consoles. And just this week I was playing with him. One of the games where we fight, some characters fight against each other. And my son loves to play. And he's always sat waiting for me to choose my character. And he's got a number of games. And one of the first things I realized just, just this last week or so, I went to Steve's house and they were playing FIFA and uh, the football game. And I, I didn't realize up until now that if you select Cambridge United players... You just don't win against Liverpool because (laughs) I didn't realize that there's some algorithms set in the game that just basically make it that that team ain't ever going to win properly because they're just not as fast, they're not as good. Sorry if you're a Cambridge United player here today. (laughs) But I realized something. It's the same with this. In every game, there's these characters and you choose. And my son always, he knows who he's going to choose. And then I've got to choose my character. And he's like, Dad, are you going to choose yours? And I'm like, hang on, son. And I'm trying to strategically look at who I'm going to choose to beat him. And the reason why I choose is because I'm flicking through each one. And I'm looking at the statistics of each character. And each character has a statistics that strength may be 60%. That speed is 90%. And I'm looking for the best ratios to be able to beat him on the one he's chose. But can I just say to you that when... This is what the problem with us... When we are trying to fight, we assume sometimes that all of these statistics over our life, that there are weak areas, so we are going to be weak in certain areas. Yes, there is weaknesses. But I believe that the Bible tells us that when we receive the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and we understand that the the Spirit of God lives in us, listen to me, whether you're weak, you're strong. And so what God does when you receive salvation, it might not feel like this, but what he does is he puts all the bars to 100%. Now you might think, no, hang on, I'm weak. My weakness, my my, my agility and and my my stamina, no, that's got to be 20%. No, no, he says, you might think it's 20. Because you're covered in my blood, I take everything to 100. No, but no, 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 you've got to understand, I feel weak. No, everything is at a hundred. So you've got to understand that whether you feel strong, whether you feel wise, whether you feel intelligent or not, the Bible says this in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength. Not you, Him. Psalm 89, the Lord is our defense. Oh, I can't defend against this problem. He's our defense. Come on. He's our defense. He is he's a strong tower for those who run into him. Hallelujah. So come on. Some of you need to remember you ain't supposed to fight it. You've got to trust and celebrate that he won the fight. His blood has the power to conquer everything that comes against you. All the weapons that come against us. 1 John 4. four. greater is he who is in me than he that is in The world. Amen. I put here that where your mind is fixed. Is where your fight will be focused. Where your mind is fixed there. Where your fight is going to be focused on that. You've got to fix your mind in the right place. What does Jesus say? He says my kingdom to Pilate. His response is. Oh you're a king then? You don't look like one. Yeah. My kingdom is not of this world. But now it's from another place. Pilate must be thinking, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking How can you talk about something? Look at, look at the situation you're in. Does that sound like the devil to you? You can imagine the dialogue. Are you, are you you're saying you're from another world? Do you realize he says, I have the power to set you free? Jesus says, You don't have any power. Power. Don't you realize I have the power to lay my life down and pick it back up again. In other words, you think you got power, but I have the power. This is all meant to be. And some of you got to realize when you're facing the toughest situations, when you're facing the toughest trials, we've got to understand that he has won the victory. He has won the victory. We have to understand that we look with a different perspective. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, it says since then you have been raised with Christ. It's just talking about the victory. Raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. Not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know what? The only reason, and as I, I picture him, him standing there and with the, the facing of what was about to come. The flogging. Potential death. I, I wonder how could he stand there when we know that in the same chapter he's arrested in Gethsemane. You read it, just a bit early on he's arrested and then he's brought to this place. How could he stand there with such confidence to answer and say, my kingdom's from another place? When just a few verses before he was arrested in Gethsemane, and Luke chapter 22 tells us that he was on his knees praying in agony. Does that sound like a, does, does that, come on, let's be real, does that sound like a real valiant soldier on his knees in agony, sweating drops of blood in Luke chapter 22. This is not, not long after he stood with people hurling abuse saying crucify him. And Pilate having a dialogue saying I can let you go. Imagine the, that's an offer on the table isn't it? You know? You, you, you ever watch these programs on telly? The, the, the Bush Tucker Trials. When they're getting them to eat things and they're saying, eat this, and they're in the jungle, they'll always come and show them, they'll say, you can have a a nice beef dinner, or you can have this. (laughs) Temptation at that point is to give in. But he doesn't. How does Jesus do it? I'll tell you how he does it. Because we read in Luke chapter 22, he's on his knees. Praying to his father. (laughs) Praying to his father. If you want to connect with heaven, you don't just say, I'm seated in heavenly realms. You don't just speak it. You've got to live like it. Come on. Some of us, what we, we, we love them verses, I'm seated in heavenly realms. He'll give me immeasurably more, Ephesians 3.20. The question is, do you get on your knees to connect with heaven in the heavenly realms? Because I don't believe Jesus had, could have had the same ability without. Because he, he, he was God but also man. He had to get on his knees and pray. And it says an angel came to strengthen him. And I've said this many times before. When the angel comes to strengthen him. It's interesting because even after the angel came to strengthen him. His circumstance didn't change. In fact that's when he, dro- he started sweating drops like blood. Straight after. So you tell me where he's, it looks like he's strengthened. No, it's strengthened because now he's got a perspective of heaven. Now he's got a perspective of heaven. The angel comes to strengthen him. The angel comes to remind him, you're from a different place. So when you go and stand there, because you've gone on your knees, because you're connected with the heavenly realms, because you're strengthened by the angelic, because you're strengthened by me, when you stand in that earthly place, and everyone's shouting abuse and saying crucify him, you'll be able to stand there and say, my kingdom is from another place. I want to ask you, can you say that because you're in prayer or do you just say it because you repeat what a pastor said? Don't just say I'm in heavenly realms, I'm seated in heavenly places. Start to position yourself in heavenly places. Come on, get some of you need to get in the closet. Some of you need to get into that place where you connect with God again. And listen to what he is saying. So you have the strength to stand in those days of opposition. I believe the winning side is the praying side. When we pray and we connect with heaven. I want to say in 2020, think about your prayer life. Think about how you're connecting with the Lord on a daily basis. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is what? Do we know? Powerful and effective. Another version says, It availeth much. In other words, it's going to achieve a lot. Now the the thing is this. A lot of Christians believe that the prayer of a righteous man or woman is when I get to the level of feeling so righteous then my prayers are going to be powerful and effective. So I've got to achieve righteousness to a level of quite a holy person. So I've got to get like that holy person that I see and listen to on podcasts and TV. If I'm like that, then I'm going to be able to then I'm going to be able to pray and it's going to produce something. Can I just say to you, If we understand what I've already just preached on, the fact that you can't fight for your own righteousness, that your righteousness comes from God, it comes from Jesus Christ, then actually the only way that your prayers can be powerful and effective is receiving the grace of God and the mercy of God. So you have to understand grace. You have to understand that you're covered by His blood. If you understand that, then you just start to pray in authority. And that doesn't give you a grace card to do whatever you like, but what you must understand is your prayers are not a powerful and effective because of what you achieved last week. It can't be, because we know that righteousness can't be achieved by our our own measure. So what it's saying there is that really it's saying this, if you understand that you're covered by Jesus' blood and you receive his grace, the free gift, if you understand that, you understand you're covered and you're righteous, then when you pray... It's going to be powerful and effective. Rather than you thinking. I've got to achieve something. It's not a fight to achieve. We give it to God. Amen. Righteous people are the ones who know that the fight's already been won. Amen. And finally. Number three is that we step into. The fight that we're born to win. We step into the fight that we're born to win. What do I mean by that? Well. Some people would say, in some churches, well, we've forgiven, we've received everything, the victory is won, there's no fight. But I believe there is a fight, because we're talking about the fight, the good fight of faith. It's continual in our lives, because there is a fight for the kingdom of God to preach the good news in this dark world. The Bible talks about the prince of this world, and that's the devil. The God of this age who's blinded the minds of unbelievers. There is a fight on our hands. And he's commissioned us. Listen, we are not just, if you're forgiven through the victory, through the fight that he's achieved 2,000 years ago, you're forg- everyone who's forgiven is also commissioned. So if you're forgiven, you're commissioned. It's not just about being forgiven and coming to church. If you're forgiven, you're commissioned. And if you're commissioned, there is a fight on. And that's what the devil wants to stop you doing. So there is a fight. Jesus says this in John 18 to, to Pilate. He responds like this. He says, you're a king then, Pilate says. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, he says this. In fact, the reason, the reason that I was born and came into the world is to testify to truth. He, he's sent to him, I'm not talking about what you think I am right now. I'm going to talk to you about the very reason I came. I'm... What, 33 years old, probably, Jesus at that point? He's there, stood with Pilate, having this dialogue. He says, hang on, you, we're, we're talking about, yes, I'm, I'm a king, but let me tell you, there's a reason why I'm here. I was born with a purpose. And can I say to you, if some of you right now don't think you've got a purpose, every single one of you in this room, if you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't, there's a purpose for your life. There is a purpose for you. Don't believe the lie of Satan that there's no purpose. So there's a purpose for each and every person. Jesus says, I am here for a purpose. I was born for a purpose. Yet I am a king. But I was born with a purpose. And do you know what the devil's biggest tactic over our lives is? To kill purpose. That's what he wants to do. Stop your purpose. He doesn't want you to fulfill what God wants you to do. So there is a fight and tension on And that is where you live in the authority and identity of what Christ has called you to be. That's your biggest fight. Is is When you hear the lie of Satan, saying you're not this or you're not that. That's why Jesus walks in the desert, doesn't he? For those 40 days, under test. He's questioning his identity all the time. Do you think there was a fight on? I believe there's a fight on. And I believe that sometimes I walk through deserts. I don't know about you. So I've got a fight on. Because I have to fight with what the Word of God says over my life... And what Satan's trying to tell me I am. I have to remind him with the word. Not with my own strength. But there's a fight. Continual fight going on in our lives. But you and me were born with a purpose. In First Timothy 1 Timothy six, thirteen, Paul says this. He says, I charge you, to Timothy, to keep this command. So he's not just saying, I, I want you to just do this. But to keep it. You've got to keep doing this. Keep the command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say that Jesus is coming soon? Jesus is coming back. There's a purpose for you to share the good news, to keep on fighting the good fight of faith, telling people about Jesus, the Great Commission, but he's coming back soon. It says God will bring this about in his own time. Time is in his hands. And you've got to use your time in between when God decides to fight that good fight, and to step into the fight. That let me tell you, when you do it, you're born to win. Jesus was born not to lose, to win. Born with a purpose to win, and so are you. But the devil tell you, no. You you take that route, you're not going to win. You are born to win. If you want the the, if you want the will of God in your life, the full purpose of God in your life, you're never going to lose. If you follow what He wants you to do, you will not lose. Even though death comes, we know that what? We're going to see him again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who've been forgiven are commissioned. You know, just this week, even before I was preparing this message, my son loves a little bit of boxing. He's got a a bag in his room, one of the the bag things he punches. And uh, he got an outfit for his birthday about a year ago. And the other day, uh, my son, who's 11... And my other younger son, who's nine, they said, Dad, we want to match with you. We want to box. And we want to, we want to fight with you. And I said, oh, you, okay, you can. And so Jacob comes and he puts on his, his gloves and he's got a little outfit. And he comes up and he's got these on. And I've got no gloves. And then Lewis has stood in the corner with a little piece of paper. So he's got a clipboard. And he says, he says this. He says, Dad, I'm going to be the referee. And he, he stood in the corner with this. He says, and this is the prize, Dad. He says, Whoever wins out of you and Jacob wins the belt. I said, okay. So they start off, and before the, before the match started, I saw them conferring and tactics. And I realized within about a minute of fighting that the referee joined in and hit me as well. I knew what they were up to. They'd already fixed the match that I knew I was going to lose. I thought this belt I got quite serious about it. I'm like, I'm going to get that belt. And so they started to fight me and, and then I realised after so long, when, you, when your 11-year-old starts punching you, you start to think, that hurt quite a bit. You start getting a bit worried. Thinking an 11-year-old shouldn't hurt me. I'm stronger than you. And he's punching me and he's giving, and I'm like, watch the face. Keep it down. And, and he was hitting me and then, then on, on top of it, I've got Lewis punching me. The belt's just thrown on the floor now. They're both trying to attack me. And do you know what? All the way through, when I was messing around with them, and I'm getting punched by both of them, I realized something halfway through. I thought, the reality is right now, I have all the strength in me to take these boys down. <laughs> One little punch. I'd, show, I'd teach them a lesson. You know, when you know it inside, and then when, when they, they punch me, something hurt a little bit, I'm like, I, I know it's wrong, but I could show you And I'm I'm holding back. And I'm holding back what I know I can do. I'm holding back what I know I can do. I'm also realizing the fact that as I'm holding back, that my son knows that because I'm holding back and they're beating me up, that he knows who's getting the belt. And it ain't me. And so as I'm holding back and I realize the Lord spoke to me a few days later when I've been doing that fight, and he said this to me. He said, son, sometimes... In the church, people don't exercise what they know deep down they have. They have the identity, they have the strength, they have the ability, they have the power because they quote scriptures like greater is he that's in me. But yet they hold back in fear of using it. So they're willing to be beat up by the devil and allowed to be pushed into a corner where they're just comfortable rather than exercising what they got. And I feel to just tell you today, it's time, church. It's time, people, to fight the fight you were born to win. And whether you've got the gloves or not, you're, some of us are like, I will looking, at Jacob it's unfair you've got gloves. So I've had some big gloves on now. Says, you, I said, you've got gloves. And then, listen, some of us think we haven't got the tools we need to do this. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Hallelujah. You got all you need. Read Ephesians chapter 6. Talks about the armor of God. Come on. You got to understand that you got an armor. And the devil doesn't want you to know you've got that armor. So you're busy there trying to, trying, to, trying to do this and trying to fight and say, I'm going to hold back because I know I could do this, but I don't know if I dare because what would happen? Come on, it's time, church. It's time to understand that even though the devil says it's fixed this fight, you will never win because you're too weak. You've got to look at it like this. Because I saw that belt and I realized that my Bible tells me, that in Ephesians chapter 6, that I have the belt of truth. The belt of truth. What does Jesus respond to? He says, the very reason, Pilate, that I came into this world is to testify to truth. In other words, I am about to be beaten. I'm about to be flogged. I'm about to be killed. But do you know something? I am talking truth. I have the victory. I have the belt of truth on me. Do you know what happened straight after that? They took him, Jesus, and they wrapped a robe around him. They beat him with rods, spat in his face, and and mocked him and called him the king of the Jews. I mean, every time I ever think about that scene, it gets me. Because I think about what he's just said and stood for, for you and for me. And now he's not just took into a place and then it's, it's all officially done. They literally mocked him, put something on him and put the crown of thorns on his head. And tried to mock what he's claiming to be. He claimed to be that for you. He stood that fight for you. He stood there being mocked and beaten with rods and spat on. With a crown of thorns. So that you could have the belt of truth. That some of us are not standing on. That some of you could have all you need today to live the godly life that you want to, but you're not. He did all of that for you. He took the crown of thorns so that you could have the crown that never fades. But yet some of us are wasting it. We're like, no, I'm just happy to go to church and I'm just happy to just do this. And fight and not exercise the fullness of everything God has called me to be and fight the fight I was born to win. I want to ask you the question today, how long are you going to stay like that? Are you going to say, God, it's time. It is time for me to stand up, realize that I'm going to flee from them, wasting the, the fights that I'm wasting my time on. I'm going to stand on the fight that you won. And I'm now going to walk into the fight that I'm born to win. And that's to testify to the truth of the gospel. And walk in its fullness, Amen. If the team could come back, the worship team, that would be great. We need to start acting in our authority. Jesus said this: "Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. You've received this. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this?" You've got to pick the right fights, people. Pick the right fights. Don't waste your time on the wrong ones. Pick the right fights. Stand on the victory of everything he's done. In 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25, Paul, he says this. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Some of us, we need to understand that we're fighting for a prize that is going to be for us, a crown that never fades. There is a victory. It was purchased 2,000 years ago on the cross. Now he calls us to start to run for that same victory. To have a a perception that it's from a kingdom that's not here. Come on, church. Come on, let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you today, but maybe you're fighting. Maybe you're fighting the wrong fight. Maybe you're spending time fighting something that you are never going to win. Maybe it's that relationship. Maybe you're fighting for something that you're not supposed to be fighting for. Maybe you're fighting right now for that sin that you're trying to deal with in your life. And you need to just submit it to God and stand. And say, God, I'm covered by your precious blood. I receive forgiveness today. And I don't want to try and do this in my own strength. I want to believe you because you paid the price on the cross. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're you're fighting the wrong fights. Maybe... You've lost the perception of what the gospel is. <laughs> and maybe you've stopped fighting in the fullness of all the strength that you have. Do you know when I talked about the, the numbers of the, the bars on them characters? One of the things my son Lewis did just not, not long back, he had um, football, he used to collect football cards, so the, the cards would represent similar things with the figures, the characters, and so each football team that'd have speed and they'd have all these things with the numbers on. And one day, my son said to me, Lewis, he said, Dad, you can buy online your own card, so you make your own card. And I go on the card, so it's my picture of me playing football. And you can put in all your numbers, and you can make your card so that I can put it into, next to all the, the players, like the Liverpool players. So I said, OK, we'll make your card. So we go online, and we make the card. And we upload his picture of him playing football, and they put it into this card, and it looks real. But you have to get onto one page before you go to purchase, and it says, enter the statistic figures for each section. And so Lewis is sat next to me and I said, Right, what do you want to put in? I said, What do you want to put in for speed, son? And he's like, 100. I said, Okay, speed 100. What do you want to put in for strength? 100. Like, you've got to be real, Lewis. Might you have a 70 on one of them? At least drop it a little bit so it looks real. He said, No, no, no. 100 for everyone. So we had it 100 for everyone. Some of, some of us have got to start living like that. We've got to start living with the faith that we're at 100. And not, not be real. You're not called to be real on this earth. You're called to, to have a supernatural view of your life. I said, Do you know what? In the heavenlies, I'm forgiven. I'm washed. I have all the strength I need. I have all the wisdom I need. Because God covers my life. And so sometimes we've got to start setting ourselves to 100. Not because we're boasting in what we are, but who he is. Amen. Every eye closed, every head bowed just for a moment. We're coming to a close now and I want to just give an opportunity right now. Maybe there are people in this room, you've never heard about Jesus. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ and we have to, it's important that we give this opportunity to you today because it's, I said it earlier on, heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents and I want to give an opportunity right now. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never raised your hand in a service and done that or you've never Maybe you've not responded in services where you know you've been distant, you've wandered away from the faith. As we said earlier, you've pierced yourself with grief. You've been fighting fights now, trying to deal with things, but you know you need to just surrender to Jesus again. You need to come home. And if that's you, I want to first give an opportunity before we pray for people. Right now, I want to give an opportunity for people to raise their hands in the room to receive Jesus Christ. Today's the day of salvation. Your opportunity is right now to respond and say I want Jesus I need I can't fight life on my own I need a saviour I need someone to cover me wash me clean make me a new person if that's you I want you to raise your hand where you are right now just raise your hand wave at me if that's you and I want to pray a prayer with everyone else with you right now as you join in that if anyone wants to pray that prayer just raise your hand and wave at me right now don't miss the opportunity God sees everything Every heart in this room right now. He knows where you're at. Is there anyone who wants to raise their hand right now? Thank you. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Let's just say a prayer together for those who've raised their hand. If anyone, I can't see at the back. But Lord, we just pray this prayer right now. Father God, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to pay the price for my sin today I receive your forgiveness wash me clean by your precious blood and make me a new person a new creation and fill me with your precious spirit in order for me to fight the good fight of faith today I give my life to you, Jesus, again. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe you didn't raise your hand and you prayed it. I want to welcome you to the kingdom of God. Come on, let's just welcome anyone or celebrate with heaven for those who may have said that prayer. It's the best decision you could ever make. Come on, just before we move on and we're just going to come and, and call people to come to the front right now I want to give an opportunity as the team just gently play we, we did this this morning and I want to give an opportunity for some of you right now you have been fighting fights that you weren't meant to fight some of you are dealing with struggles things in your life Maybe there's tensions in relationships or tensions that you just need to say, God, I want to bring it to you. I want to bow on my knee again. I want to come and just give this all again to you. Someone once said to me, they said, when you've got a problem, come to the foot of the cross. I don't need, sometimes it's not, it's not a. Per, you don't need a preacher. You need the foot of the cross. You need to come and bow your knee again and say, God, forgive me, but I want to rest in you. I want to be forgiven and know that I'm clean again. And I want to fight that good fight. Some of you, maybe today, you're saying, "You know, I want to really step into the fullness. I've not been exercising the fullness of what God wants me to do. I want to encourage you today to come and bow your knee and say, God, I want to walk into the fullness. Give me boldness to step out again. Boldness to step out. Come on, as that's you, come forward now. Use this space at the front. Some of you may just need to bow your knee and say, Lord, I just want to give this fight to you. I want to give what I'm struggling with. I give it all to you. And I believe God will meet people as we do. We want to lay hands on people and just pray for you that God does something in your life. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.